All right, if you have your Bibles this morning, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 1 this morning in your Bibles. There is a Bible in the pew if you'd like to borrow one and use it, a pew Bible. And uh, the title of this message this morning is Being Ready to Receive the Gift of the Savior. Here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, we're going to read verses 18 through 25, and we'll also be in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. There in your bulletin, it does have the references if you had one, uh, but in Micah, cha- Micah chapter 6, verse 8, and Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, we'll start off in Matthew. Give you a second to get there. I'll get a drink of water. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. (coughs) Excuse me. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in dreams, saying, Joseph, now, son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for thou which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the Lord, angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Turn with me there over to Micah chapter 6, verse 8. And really, this is the points of my sermon this morning and message in Micah 6, 8, because Joseph followed this example of Micah 6, 8. So I'd like to show you here in Micah chapter 6, Joel, Amos, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, uh, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, Matthew. So you go back about five books from Matthew and uh, six books from Matthew and you'll hit Micah. So I know it's one of those minor prophets not often uh, looked at there in the Bible. But Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Give you a second to get there if you are flipping their pages. All right. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God? As I think on these truths today, both Joseph and Mary would evidence in their life these very things. What is good? They were justly, they acted justly, they loved mercy, and they walked humbly with their God. And I want to talk about more, really about the testimony and the character of Joseph and Mary and Jesus being brought into the family of a very godly couple. And I'll speak more on that. But the Lord God Almighty, Jehovah, God, would send his son Jesus, God in the flesh, to a couple who were holy and obedient In fact, in 1 Timothy 3.16, it is noted that for Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. And God would use a couple who were godly, obedient. It really is a good characterization, I think, of Joseph's life with whom we'll be discussing today from what is spoken of him. Jesus, as a baby, could not just come to any Jewish family. Rather, he had to come to a family that would follow the laws of God, the Jewish feasts and the sacrifices. Why, you ask? Because Jesus would not come to do away with the law, but to fulfill all of the law. He did every aspect of the law, even his death on the cross, and it bought us our pardon from sin. And it started at his birth in fulfilling and following all the Jewish law. Now in Luke chapter 24, verse 44, he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Jesus Christ, who was the king who would sit on the throne of David. Jesus Christ, who would be the fulfillment of the seed of Abraham. Jesus Christ, I mean, every one of these things that Jesus perfectly fulfilled came to a very simple, poor couple. And you ask why? 
And I mentioned that he had to fulfill all the law, but not only fulfill, he fulfilled everything, he completed it in my place and your place. And he truly is, as 2 Corinthians 9.15, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. You see, the responsibility to care and raise the Son of God would come as a gift to an upright and God-fearing family. Now understand this, that God's gift to humanity would come through the Jewish people because of the Abrahamic covenant, Galatians 3.16. But we see in this passage of Scripture the start of faith and the application of faith. Because as I mentioned there in Matthew, it was not just that Joseph was, as we would say today, saved. But he was a man that lived and feared God. And that God would use a God-fearing man, a God-fearing young woman, and they would receive the gift of the Savior as a baby boy. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. Father, I need your help this morning. Lord, it's a privilege to preach your word, and I ask for your help to preach it. Lord, I pray for the power of God upon this time. Lord, I pray that maybe there's some troubled hearts that, Lord, you'd encourage and strengthen. And, Father, that you would draw people to thyself. And should there be anyone this morning that has never received the gift of Jesus Christ, that this morning would be the start on Christmas Eve to receive the greatest gift anyone can ever receive. And Father, I, lend this to, I yield it to Thee. You take over. And Father, I pray that each and every one of us would submit and yield as You work on our hearts this morning. I love You in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. First of all, we see in Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, that you must act justly. <coughs> Excuse me. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man. Now the word just there is also translated elsewhere in the scriptures as righteous. And the, the also has the idea, not only as righteous, so before God, his sins, his, his, all of his entire record of bad that he's done before God has been totally wiped away. But in addition, this idea of just is he who wants to follow God. Not that Joseph is perfect. I'm not trying to raise Joseph up to being like Jesus. He's not. He's still a fallen man, just as you and I are. But nevertheless, we find... Uh, in, in Romans 5.19, that word that we have here in Matthew 1.19 that's translated as just is elsewhere translated as righteous in Matthew 5.19. And uh, are, these are saved people as just noted many times. When the Bible would note in the scriptures of people who are just, it is noting them as having an existing relationship with God. Now, in the Old Testament, we find one such gentleman, Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. So Noah had a relationship with God. He was a man who feared God. He followed God. He wanted to honor God. But he had his faith founded and settled in God. We find another passage of Scripture in the New Testament, in Mark chapter 6, verse 20. For Herod feared John, this is John the Baptist, knowing that he was a just man and in holy, and observed him. And the verse goes on, but nevertheless, it is noted that John the Baptist was just, his faith was settled in God. He also walked holy. He, he lived his life with an idea that all that he did was a representation of God to the world, just as you and I are to do that. Luke chapter 2, verse 25 uh, talking about Simeon, whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout. Simeon was another man where that term just is noting of his faith in God that was settled. Now, there is an importance to this. There has to be, in each and every one of your lives and in my life, there has to be a time where you've recognized sin. Now, let me take with you, if you're in Matthew, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 9, verse 10. There has to be a time in your life where you recognize sin. And so Joseph, like you and I, had to come to a realization. He's just, meaning before the judge, if he was to stand before the judge, the judge would say he's innocent. He has done nothing wrong. Now, 
Why can he say that? Just as we can today as believers, because we've recognized our sinful nature, but not just that I've done bad. But that my sin, not, you know, all of us have done bad. All of us have hurt other people. We've said things we shouldn't. We've done, all of us have done these sorts of things. But it's my ultimate offense is not against you or you against me. My ultimate offense is against a perfect and holy God with whom I have offended. And as I understand this here in Matthew chapter 9, verse 10, and it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners... Publicans would be idea of tax collectors. And sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. You don't go to a doctor if you feel well. You go to a doctor if there's a problem. Just in the same thing. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. That idea of righteous there is someone who's self-proclaimed righteous. In their own eyes, they're okay before God. But not as God says. God says we're all done bad things. Each and every one of us have offended God. But so if I, if I come to that realization, God, I, I am sick. God, I have done wrong things. I know that I've offended you. I know that I've come against you. I know that I haven't perfectly followed you. None of us have. Well, then I'm, that's what Joseph had to come to that realization in order to get that title of just. Jesus would say in Luke 13, 3, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Now, if you don't accept the guiltiness that God puts before us, then he says you perish. In John 10, 28, Jesus says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. But here's the, the promise that God says, Listen, if you're just like Joseph, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then he says, No man will pull you out of my hand. You can't pull yourself out of God's hand. You are eternally secure as a gift. A gift when, you, when you give a gift to someone, do you ever go up to them and ask them, can I have my gift back? You weren't very nice to me, so I want my gift back. Now, if you did that, people would be looking at you like, uh, sure, I guess. Like, you know, it would, it would be very rude to ask for a gift back. Now, the Bible tells us that there's only two classes of people in this entire world. There's only two categories. In Matthew chapter 5, I'd like you to look with me here in Matthew 5. I'm laying a, a kind of a, a foundation here with the idea of Joseph being just, that Joseph had a realization if he stood before God, I'm guilty, and he had, there was a time in his life earlier to what we see here that he placed his faith in God. It wasn't just a belief about God or a belief that there is a God. He placed his eternal soul in the hands of God. In Matthew 5, 45 and 46, that ye, Matthew 5, 45, that ye may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. So in God's eyes, there's those who are just, whom God has forgiven. There are those who are not. That's the two categories that all that God sees. <clears throat> and then verse 46, For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same. But the fact here, he says there's just and unjust. That's the two categories. That's all that God sees. And Joseph and Mary were saved, obedient, God-fearing believers. And I want to show you why I say this. Look with me in the book of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke chapter 1, verse 46. Luke chapter 1, verse 46. Luke 1, 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. So Mary herself realizes she needs a Savior. So Mary is a sinner. We see that here, okay? Verse 48, uh, verse, uh, 
anyway, so she said, my soul doth magnify the Lord and Savior. So we have an understanding that as Mary is the angel, the Lord is speaking to her. She recognizes her need for a Savior. And she also says, I want to magnify the Lord. You know, God's desire for all of us is that we give him the glory that always belongs to him. We find something else about uh, them. Look with me at Luke chapter 2 about uh, Joseph and Mary. Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 24. Joseph and Mary were not only, yes, they had a faith in God, but they were obedient. They followed God. They loved the Lord. Uh, this idea of God fear, it's not as a slave have, you know, where you have to do something. But in their eyes, she says, my soul doth magnify the Lord. It is the desire of her heart that I want to be pleasing to God. I want to hear from Him. I want to know that He is pleased with the way that I've lived my life. Luke chapter 2, verse 21, after Jesus was born. We know the story, many of you know the story of Jesus, that he would come, Joseph and Mary, and there was no room for them in the inn, and they, they put him in the stable, and there's Jesus in the feeding trough of the animals, and there he lays, and the angels would be shown, and the angels, you know, the, the, the angel hosts would proclaim that the birth of the Savior had happened. They go, they see this baby, Jesus. And then thereafter, on the day eight, which is when in the Jewish uh, tradition, and also according to the Abrahamic covenant, we would find that the child was to be circumcised, and they do that there in Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 24. We find their obedience to all of the law, Luke 2, 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present to him the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that opened the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. We find here that on this day they bring the baby in for the circumcision in obedience to the Abrahamic covenant. This is amazing. I mean, Mary and Joseph, they wanted to be pleasing to God, and God would use that. You know what? God can use us. If you're a Christian here today, you know for sure. You said, Pastor, I know upon the foundation of the Word of God, I am a child of His. Then, <clears throat> then God's desire for your life and for my life is an obedience to Him. Not that justly. God wants your faith settled in Him, and then He wants your faith to live for Him. But in this now, in our living and as we go through life, many times you will encounter opposition. You will encounter those who will be against you. Now we find something interesting here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 19. Think about this. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example. You're engaged. Let me give you this scenario. You're engaged to someone that you love. You're ready to spend the rest of your life with them. Only to find out they say, I'm pregnant. Think about that. Your heart sinks. That word, as we come back there to Micah 6, 8, should be justly, merciful. Merciful is the second point of Joseph and Mary. Joseph particularly. The word mercy, let me read a definition from you from Webster's Dictionary. The benevolence, mildness, or tenderness of heart, which disposes a person to overlook injuries or to treat an offender better than he deserves. The disposition that tempers justice and induces an injured person to forgive trespasses and injuries and to forbear punishment or inflict less law less than law or justice will warrant. The mercy, now I'm going I'm to get into some of the cultural understanding of this, but that you should do justly and love mercy and walk humbly with thy God. Well, in this very position here, as we find of mercy, Joseph is a man who desired to do the right thing. He was obedient to God's law. Realize this, that in your desire to do right, we don't always do the right thing at first. At least I find myself that way. There's times where I wish, I'm like, oh, I need to do this, and I'm, I endeavor to do it, and then I'm like, I didn't do it. I'm like, oh. <laughs> you ever get that way? 
you kind of like, I wish I could do more than what I am. And I'm like, oh, why do I always, you know, sometimes I, I, you know, I'm struggling in this area. Well, anyways, God has a way of getting our attention. And the Christian life is about ministering to others. Now, in this idea of mercy, in order to, do merc- to be merciful in your life, you have, it requires self-sacrifice. In order for you to be merciful, you have to overlook yourself for the betterment of the other person. And that is a challenge and a difficulty. Look with me at Matthew chapter 20, verse 27. Being merciful is probably one of those things in the Christian life that is so difficult. uh, And it's difficult because I can continue to look at myself and I'm not considering the element of the other person. Now, that you should, do, you should be just, hum, you should be merciful, and walk humbly with thy God. But in this mercy, it requires that Joseph wanted to put her away privately. And I'm going to talk about this. But in Matthew, you see, mercy requires self-sacrifice. Because you're not thinking about yourself. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 27... And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. The mercy of God towards you and I required Christ's own personal sacrifice. Now, both of the partners in this relationship are pure. They've never had any sexual relations outside of it. They've never had any sexual relations at all. They are virgins. In Luke 1.27, to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. But you also think about the, you know, uh, Joseph was a just man. Luke 21.13-14, you also find that Jesus is our high priest and the, you know, uh, Joseph was a man who loved and honored and served the Lord and here they are coming together. And, I mean, this is an exciting time. They were completely devoid of any sexual contact. Luke 1.34, then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? She said, I've never come to a man for relations. I'm pure. How can I be pregnant with the, the Son of God, the Messiah, how is this possible? Now, when it makes that statement here, not willing to make her a public example, that word public example is to disgrace someone publicly. So you go to Facebook, or you go to some Instagram, or some other social media, and you blab to the world what a low-life, two-timing person this one particular person is. That's a public example. I mean, you are totally trying to disgrace the name of this person who has hurt you. And Joseph says, I don't want to make her a public example. Though she's pregnant with a child that's not mine. I mean, this is to put to an open shame where you walk. I mean, it's kind of like many years ago, they would, you know, they would, uh, scarlet letter and that kind of all that stuff that went around that, I mean, you literally have a massive scar where everyone sees, oh, wow, there's a shame on your life. And I'm going to, tell, I'm going to get into here shortly a little bit of the cultural understanding of what Joseph could have done that shows what a man of character he was and what God calls for us to be and how he calls us to not only be just but to be merciful. You see, your life is a living sacrifice to God, as Romans 12 tells us. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy. God wants you to be pure, acceptable unto God. Your life and how you live your life, what ought to happen is your desires ought to be that I want to please God. God above everything else. In Joseph's, that was his desire. That, in fact, this takes the sacrifice of self to honor the Lord. In Hebrews 13, verses 15 and 16, But by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice 
of praise to God continually. So even as Joseph finds the news of Mary saying, Joseph, I'm pregnant, and it's God that made me, you know, I'm conceived, you know, that which is born of me is of the Holy Spirit, and, and uh, he's like, yeah, right. I mean, this is like, you know, I was thinking about actually entitling this sermon, My Dog Ate My Homework, but, you know, kind of like you get these far-fetched stories, oh yeah, God made me, you know, I, I now have the Son of God in my womb by God. You know, from a normal mindset, you're thinking, that just doesn't make sense. But in this idea of Joseph as he's heartbroken, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, God's called us at all times to give thanks. And Joseph, you know, as he's there and, and God gives him encouragement and God gives him direction on what to do. You know, ministering to others is an act of self-sacrifice. And Joseph genuinely loves Mary. Make her, he could have made her look horrible. I mean, he could have brought her into the crowds, and here was a young, engaged couple, and Mary was with child. Yet the character of Joseph was to privately put her away. He was merciful. He wanted to, now in this verse 19, he wanted to secretly divorce her and move on in life. He was not out to get revenge, but he wanted to honor the Lord. Because not only would that act of pregnancy in Mary bring scar to her, but it would also bring scar to him that she was unfaithful to him. I mean, you can imagine the mess that could potentially go through the mind as soon as Joseph finds this out. He's not out to get revenge. But he wants to honor the Lord. I'll put her aside privately. I'll keep my life pure for the Almighty Jehovah. A little bit of background on what's going on and where I'm going with this. I wanted to read this for you. I think it's very important this morning. The fact that Jesus was born of Mary only, as indicated in the genealogical record of verse 16, demand, Matthew 1.16, demanded further explanation. Matthew's explanation can best be understood in the light of Hebrew marriage customs. Marriages were arranged for individuals by parents and contracts were negotiated. After this was accomplished, individuals were considered married and were called husband and wife. They did not, however, begin to live together after this pronouncement of marriage. Instead, the woman continued to live with her parents and the man with his for one year. The waiting period was to demonstrate the faithfulness of the pledge of purity given concerning the bride. If she was found to be with child in this period, she obviously was not pure but had been involved in an unfaithful sexual relationship. Now the Bible does tell us in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 and 2, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. The Bible also tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 15 and 16, about this very idea of sexual relationships. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined unto an harlot is one body, for two saith he shall be one flesh. Now, that doesn't mean that they're married, that just means they've come together in a physical relationship. But in this very thing, this idea here, reading on, the marriage could have been annulled during that one year waiting period, this engagement period, if you would. And it demonstrated a purity. The husband, at the, during this period of time, at the end of it, would then go to the house of the bride's parents and in a grand processional march, lead his bride back to his home. They'd live together as husband and wife, consummate their marriage physically. Now, men and, Mary and Joseph were in this period of time, the one-year waiting period. They had never, been, they'd never had any sexual relationship. They had been faithful. While little is said about Joseph, one can imagine how his heart must have been broken. He thinks she's pure. She's pregnant now, and under the Jewish law, he could have had her brought before the local Sanhedrin, pressed charges of evident adultery, and the penalty was death. In fact, they would stone her with stones under the Jewish law. A spousal or engagement was considered to have the force of marriage under the Jewish law. But Joseph was a just man, and by implication, a merciful man. He could have brought her before the Sanhedrin to be stoned to death. Can you imagine the conversation between Joseph and Mary? 
Let's look with me at Luke chapter 1 as the angel of the Lord would speak to her. I mean, all of the emotions that are going through Joseph's heart, Mary's heart, he's going to leave me, I'm going to have a baby of God, and he doesn't trust me, and all of these things could potentially be there. I mean, their, their life has just started out and they're excited and they're engaged and they're in this waiting period and they're like, woo! You know, I mean, they have found their mate for life and, and here is the one and all of a sudden she's pregnant. And Joseph shows unbelievable mercy. In Luke chapter 1, verse 30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold... Thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There shall be no end. Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Highest shall overshadow thee. And therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. You realize this, that betrothals in this engagement period was so binding that if one of the spouses during this period of time were to die, that that the person who was left would actually be considered a widow. But it could be difficult for a woman with a child, divorced for infidelity or unfaithfulness, to find another husband, leaving her without means of support if her parents died. It would also dishonor the man to whom she was pledged. A husband could divorce his wife publicly before the judge if he were charging her with an offense during this period of time. And yet Joseph said, I don't want to make her look bad. I want to put her away privately. I want to protect her. Just think about that. And then we come to the third point. Walking humbly with thy God. You're saved. You want to honor God. Someone wrongs you and hurts you. And God said, I want you to forgive. I want you to deal kindly. And so you say, okay, God. But God didn't leave it there for the minds to continue to race. God did something amazing, verses 20 through 25. While he thought on these things, behold, verse 20 of Matthew 1, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take and to marry thy wife, for thou which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Joseph, now notice with me here what Joseph did. As you look a little further on, Verse 24, then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel Lord had bidden him. He didn't protest. He didn't complain about the situation he was placed in. He simply got up and married Mary. He didn't say, God, but this doesn't make any sense. This is impossible. Joseph was a just man who walked with God, had a relationship with God, and God was able to speak to him. And he did. You see, here is the truth. Each of us must have a familiarity with God's Word. In Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Joseph had a familiarity. He also had a humility to say, okay, God, I'm to marry her and protect the image of Mary. Mary is pregnant. I'm going to marry her, and she will now be mine, and there'll be no more public stigma against her. Think about that. In June, uh, excuse me, next month, I'm going to be doing a series on the home. Husbands, wives, families, relationships. And in this passage of Scripture, as we look at Joseph, Joseph protected and guarded Mary. 
And that's what men ought to do. Men are to protect and guard the emotions and the heart of their spouse. That, that heart of the wife is to be the most important thing of protecting her heart. Beneath just honoring and serving the Lord. Realize this, that the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 3, 7, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. A husband who's, who's not right with his wife, God says, I'm not answering that man's prayers. I think God's pretty serious about this. You realize that God called Joseph, as he calls all of us, to fear and obey God. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Now in this passage of Scripture, Joseph and Mary would call Jesus, uh, would call the baby Jesus, when it also says they'd call him Emmanuel, which would also be the crowds calling him Emmanuel, as we find in Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. So others would say, this is Emmanuel, God with us. Think of this truth. God with us, God came to earth to be involved in all the problems that you and I have to go through. Now, something interesting happens here. Joseph had to surrender his will. Have you ever had something difficult in your life that you really didn't want to do, but you knew you were supposed to? And you said, I can't do this! She's hurt me! She did this, as Joseph may think. But God says, I want you to marry her. You surrender your will. Say, okay, Lord, I'll do right. You see, a surrendered will is not something which is holding on to your opinions and ways. It is fully accepting of any and all circumstances that God brings your way. It is a relinquishment of your rights. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. His heart here. I mean, I, I, I just, I, it, it's amazing. Joseph's heart, as he ponders what just happened, the angel of the Lord speaks to him, Fear not. The angel says, Joseph, don't fear, don't be anxious, don't worry, don't be mad. He says, fear not. Mary is bearing Emmanuel. He marries her in fulfillment of prophecy. He's a man of character. He's just. He's merciful. And he walks humbly with God. Now, he didn't believe her at first. He wanted to put her away, as all of us would want to do with someone whom we're engaged. We're like, hey, they're not faithful to me. And it hurts. What was Mary's heart? I want you to see with me Mary's heart in all of this. The character of Joseph. He was just. He was merciful. He walked humbly with his God. Luke chapter 1, verse 38. Luke chapter 1, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Let's look at Mary's heart. God's not calling, you know, the, the truth is, Joseph would have made a bad decision had God not stepped in. Had God not done something to say, Joseph, please don't do this. And God always steps in in our lives. God always steps in by a person or the scriptures or something comes up in our lives to say, don't go this direction. Just simply walk humbly with God. Luke chapter 1, verse 28-29. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Imagine the angel Lord saying, you know, thou that art highly favored, of the, <laughs> favored, the Lord is with thee. You're like, she's, I'm a poor Jewish girl. How is this possible? 
And then she fears. She's like, ah, am I dead? You know, like the angel of the Lord is speaking to me. And then look with me what Mary's heart was in verse 38. The heart of Joseph was a surrendered will. God, I'll do whatever you want. I'll marry Mary. I will remove the stigma from her. But then Mary also, in verse 38, Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. She said, I'm just a handmaid of the Lord. I, just, I delight in being a servant of the Almighty. You know what Joseph also had to do? If you go back to Matthew chapter 1, in verse 25. So Joseph is in this engagement period, this one-year engagement period. She's found to be pregnant. Uh-oh, God steps in. Joseph, marry her. Go through the formal processional. They go in. They get married formally. So now they're living together. And then God says, Joseph, I don't want you to go in and, and, and get what is your due with your wife. I don't want you to consummate the marriage yet. No physical sexual relationship yet. And Joseph obeys. You see, he was a just man with a surrendered will who was merciful and walked humbly with his God. Imagine that. Living with a spouse and you're not able to partake in the physical coming together. And yet God says, and Joseph withheld himself to honor God Mary said, the handmaid of the Lord. She maintains the Virgin Mary. Now, she would end up having other children, as we note in Scripture. Daughters and sons. Is your will this morning so intent on, I want to do what God wants me to do above anything else? My own personal pleasures, my own personal desires. I want to make God first. When you receive the gift of the Savior... That is the start, and that's a blessed gift. That's the best gift you'll ever receive at Christmas, at any time. But God says, surrender your will, be merciful, walk humbly with me. And we are still reading today about the faithfulness and the character of Joseph. You see in 1 Samuel 15, 22, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord his great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Joseph and Mary were not wealthy. They weren't royalty as the world would regard. They were poor. They were righteous. They were an espoused couple ready to begin their life when their entire life was shocked and changed forever but they were ready to receive the gift of the Savior. In Luke chapter 1, verses 32 and 33, and then I'll come to my conclusion this morning. It doesn't matter your wealth. God's not looking at how wealthy you are. God's not looking at how academic, how many degrees you have behind your name. Number one, are you just? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? In that idea of just, are you also willing to say, you know what, I just want to be pure before God. I want to be, right, I want to be merciful. Be merciful to those who treat me ill. And I want to walk humbly with my God. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with thy God. In Luke chapter 1, in the gift of the Savior that Mary and Joseph would receive, Luke 1, 32, And he shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. That gift was received by Joseph and Mary. And my friend, this Christmas... May we do good and follow the pattern of Joseph and Mary by being just, merciful, and walking humbly with your God.
Will you receive this gift? Romans chapter 5 talks about a free gift. It talks about an offense that Adam offended God. You and I have offended God. But the gift of grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded into many. There's not one person. I couldn't give a gift to the entire world. I wouldn't have enough money to give a gift to the entire world, nor would any person on this world. But God gave a gift that goes to every person in any location across the entire globe spanning all of time. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. My friend, this Christmas, oh my, Joseph made a point in time in his life. Mary said, I need a Savior. If you need a Savior, then you need saving. Saving from what? Saving from the penalty of sin, which is death in, the Bible, in a place the Bible calls hell. But God's not willing that any should perish. And what He desires for you, to surrender your will, acknowledge your condition of guiltiness and offense before God, ask Him to forgive you and be your Savior. Christian, will you surrender your will to be merciful to others? Will you surrender your will to walk humbly or follow the Lord Jesus Christ? In James chapter 4, the last verse this morning, and then I'll read a short illustration. I'll be done here. James chapter 4, verse 6. Are you ready to receive the gift of the Savior this Christmas? Have you received Him as a gift first? I'm not asking, are you a good person? I'm not asking if you've ever, uh, you know, been baptized. I'm asking, have you ever settled a place in your life? You've put your faith in Jesus Christ. In James chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Christian, this is what God has called us to do, but he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God. And he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. You see, man's power is the measure of his surrender. A little quote here for you by Wayne Warner. He says, when J. Wilbur Chapman was in London, he had an opportunity to meet William Booth, who at that time was past 80 years of age. And Dr. Chapman listened reverently as, the old, uh, as uh, William Booth spoke of the trials and conflicts and the victories. The American evangelist asked William if he would disclose his secret for success. He hesitated a second, Dr. Chapman said, and I saw the tears come into his eyes and steal down his cheeks, and then he said, I will tell you the secret. God has had all there was of me. There have been men with greater brains than I, men with greater opportunities, but from the day I got the poor of London on my heart and a vision of what Jesus Christ could do with the poor of London, I made up my mind that God would have all of William Booth there was. And if there is anything of power in the evangelization of today, it is because God has all the adoration of my heart, all the power of my will, and all the influence of my life. Christian, are you ready to receive the gift of the Savior? I'm not asking if you, or you're saved. I, it's, you're, you're a Christian. But Joseph and Mary were ready, not only because they were saved, they were holy, devout, just. They weren't perfect. But they were people that feared God and walked humbly with their God. This, Christ, this Christmas, if you're a Christian, you say, Pastor, I know. I can give you a Bible reason why I know I'm a Christian. Is your will surrendered all? Can I have, as we come to the time of invitation this morning, I'll have Mrs. Pat come forward, please. See, that's the question. Are you ready to receive the gift of the Savior? What do you do with Christ? What do you do in your life with Jesus? Maybe 
You can say, Pastor, I, I can't give you a Bible reason why I know I'm saved. I think I am. I hope I am. Maybe I am. God doesn't want you on a possibility. God wants to settle it. He gives you a promise. It's a gift. It's not, here, I'll give you a gift if you do this and this and this and this. He doesn't give all these caveats. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this Christmas, if you ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of all your sins, you're born again. Forever God's child. Forever to live with him in heaven. My friend, don't, re don't reject that gift. As the music plays this morning, I'd encourage you with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you need to come up front and pray, pray at your pew and just bow your head. Take some time. Is your will surrendered? Would you, if you were Joseph, would you be ready to receive the gift of the Savior? Would you be ready to have a surrendered will, giving it all to God? Do you know for sure, number one, you're saved? Do you know for sure you're, you know Jesus as your Savior? Number two, Christian, you must be merciful, walk humbly with your God, be just, and God will lift you up. Wonderful promises. If we'll just yield our way, and our great desire would be to please God. Is there anyone this morning, as you're seated there in your seat, you might be saying, Pastor, God was talking to me about something, convicting me in my heart. I know I'm saved, but God was working on me, and I'd like you to pray for me this morning. With all heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Heads bowed and eyes closed. No talking, please. You say, Pastor, I'd like you to pray for me. Would you just quickly slip up your hand? I'll be happy to pray for you. I won't call you out. I won't come up to you afterwards. Anyone this morning say, Pastor, I'd like you to pray for me. God was working on my heart. Anyone that say, Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm saved, but I'd like to know for sure. Would you pray for me that I'd settle it? Just slip up your hand. I won't call out your name. I won't call out where you're at. I won't come up to you afterwards unless you come up to me to speak. But I'd love to show you from the Bible. Anyone like that, say, Pastor, I'd like you to pray for me. Just a moment longer before we conclude. Oh, my. If you're a Christian, if we, could, if we were Joseph, would we be just, merciful, and walk humbly with our God? Great questions, but not only questions, they ought to be applications of our lives. As the music comes to a close here shortly, let's pray. Dear Heavenly and Gracious Father, I pray for each and every person that's here today, the family from out of town and others that are here. Father, I thank you for the grace that you bestowed upon us. Thank you for each and every person that you brought out. Lord, I pray that no one would leave this morning without receiving the gift of Jesus Christ accepting that they're a sinner in need of a Savior. And Father, for those of us as a Christian, would we live our lives being just and merciful and walk humbly with you. And so, Lord, I commit it all into thy hands. I love you. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great and Merry Christmas. And. Uh...